Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack. I'm your host, Josh Scar, and this is where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. And joining me this week is Alex. Alex, welcome back. It's been a while. It has. I felt so abandoned. <laughs> we were on a volunteer basis, and I always basically throw everything out to you first because I know your availability. And you're just like, I don't want to just take everyone's slots. I want to give everyone, I want to be an equal opportunity co-host. Don't be acting. Don't don't be giving me abandonment issues. Listen, I run the social media. There's only so much people can tolerate reading my words and hearing my voice. So we got to put it in breaks somewhere. Well, let's be fair. You're the one that does like the news stuff. If there's actual interactions with other podcasts, that's me. Like if if we're talking like the voice of of the the Twitter account, that that's still kind of me. Oh yes, I mean I'm not going to interact with people. That's just dangerous for everyone. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked that people actually like us or at least like me. So it's, it's nice to, it's nice to feel the love. So people at like video game club and unchefed, uh, the red dove Lords of swine. We love you. Uh, Sean at review it yourself. We love you too. So, uh, very much appreciate just even having people associate with us and having conversations with us this week, we're going to be talking about the book of Boba Fett and, our thoughts on the series as a whole. So spoiler warning ahead, we are going to dive straight into the overarching narrative of the show, not just spoilers, non-spoilers. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, it will have been out for a full week. There's enough time that people should have seen this or at least have already been spoiled. So my conscience is clean. Uh, but first, before we get into any of that, we have a quick ad spot from our friends at the Just In Time podcast. We'll be right back. We were looking for a laid-back comedy show that covers current events, beer reviews, and movie reviews. We couldn't find one, so we made the damn thing ourselves. The Justin in Time Show. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome back. <laughs> Alex has thrown up some jazz hands. I was counting down. I know. I appreciate it. I, you know I have trouble counting. <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed that ad from our friends at Just In Time Podcast. They're part of this podcasting group uh, that we we have uh, associated ourselves with, including like Unshaft and uh, just so many others that are so cool. We are here to talk about the book of Boba Fett, or as I lovingly call it, Boba Fett's book of chosen family and philanthropy. It's getting longer every time. <laughs> they keep adding more. So we're not going to do like an episode by episode breakdown. We're going to kind of talk about where we started with the series with certain characters as far as like our personal opinions of them. Cause I honestly, I don't know what really changed with most of these characters other than we get a really good look at Fennec Shand as an actual character. And they, they really kind of twist, not twisted, but they turned Boba Fett from an archetype into an actual character instead of him just being like the badass bounty hunter. Now they actually have made him into a character, but again, I don't know if they've, done enough to make him a likable character for people like me so your concern is that they need to make boba fett the legendary the amazing the man the myth the legend actually likable and have a personality how dare you how dare you (laughs) one of the worst memes or twitter posts that i've seen out of this whole thing i think after episode two came out someone had posted that he would probably be opposed to consensual sex and what the hell? To, to me, I'm like, how is that a negative? 
how is being opposed to consensual sex a negative for you in this world? That is just the biggest red flag. And I hope you do not have any kind of significant other in your life. See, this is why I don't act or interact with people on Twitter. <laughs> I just post news and I move on. In terms of making Boba Fett an actual character, um, I, I admit I, I'm I've read a lot of EU books. The um, the Bounty Hunter trilogy, uh, this amazing uh, books dedicated to basically filling in what happened. This is the EU. This is before the Disney era, the dark times we're in now. It actually had him. Um, it actually, you know, he got out of the he got out of the Sarlacc pit, and it tells about him recovering everything that made him Boba Fett. And also he takes some bounties. Spoiler alert. It ends with him being a badass and flying the star destroyer by himself, which everyone's like, you need a crew of 300. How is he doing that? Of course it does. Because he's the biggest badass to ever badass. Exactly. But you know, that's all gone. So what we have to reference is we have to take the original, his appearance in the original trilogy and his appearance in Mando. I think the most telling point of the book of Boba Fett is at the end where Cad Bane goes, yeah spoiler cat bane's in it. he's awesome he goes why are you doing this because that's what i've been waiting to have answered for seven damn episode of yeah okay why is boba doing this I, I there's a portion where he's with the tuscans and after crawling out of the starlight pit which that was a really cool scene and that even though he was in full boba armor the actor decided to actually not have a stunt double but to actually do that scene himself because he wanted to be in the armor as much as possible i thought that was really cool but I hadn't been answered as to you were with the Tuscans after getting out of the Starlight Pit. They kind of became your adoptive family. Bad things happened to them. Why do you give a crap about what's going on on Tatooine and with Jabba the Hutt? Jabba the Hutt's remains and his legacy. And Bib Fortuna and all that, yeah. Yeah, why does he give a damn? And that's that's where I'm at with this too. That's where I've been waiting for that overarching narrative in this series. Why? I, obviously, he's going after Boba Fett or not Boba Fett, he's going after Jabba's um, legacy kind of in a way to to jumpstart his legacy as a daimyo or uh, create a new era of smart employers or something. I don't really know. Like there's points where he meets up with other bounty hunters and he's like, we're smarter than them. Why are we taking their orders? Why shouldn't we be the ones in charge? And it's like, okay, is that your motivation? No, that's not your motivation. Okay. It, it, his, his motivations are just really strange. And honestly, without the support system that I have on Twitter of Star Wars accounts like Shalo Ren and Star Wars Explains and a handful of others, uh, the ODPH podcast, um, Twist My Arm Network, those people, they, they put a lot of context into it because they were referencing how even going back to the Clone Wars, which I know you haven't seen the animated series of Star Wars. I'm going to put that out in the world so people come after <laughs> you, even though that means they're coming after the Talking Smack account and not just you. <laughs> oh, no. Boba, pretty much since the time Jango Fett died, he's been looking for family. He's been looking for a place to belong. And I get that, but the series does a piss poor job of explaining that because essentially in episode one, he gets out of the Sarlacc pit. And then he's immediately captured by Tuscans and they, they throw a lot of misconcept or they throw a lot of preconceptions. That's the word. Uh, they throw a lot of preconceptions out the window with Boba Fett uh, in Mando. And then they do it again here where he's captured along with a, a Rodian and 
Boba's like, hey, let's escape together. Let's get out of this together. I can get you out of here. It's like, why does Boba Fett care about this guy? Why does he need him to get out of here? He's supposed to be Boba Fett, even without his armor. He's supposed to be someone who can handle himself. And yet he can't break some chains and run away from some, some Tusken Raiders. Yeah, there's there's just points that I think the actor did a great job trying to conceptualize whatever struggle it was he i I find him bad you know i find the actor badass i think that that a great job was done but we needed a little a little bit of say a little bit of show versus just i'm moving through the plot a little bit of internal dialogue maybe maybe even do some like you know spaghetti western style like over the top narration you know like a little bit of narration so at least i know a little bit of his internal dialogue of why he's making some of these decisions i think that i enjoyed watching the scenes i just at the end of it i was just like okay well at the end of it i'm still wondering why he did things um so like the first episode you know he kind of gets the respect of the tuscans be because this giant sand creature emerged and he saved the child who was picking and throwing things at him which I really from the it. black lagoon that is yeah. the talking smack official name for this creature we have we have no <laughs> idea what what the name is i don't i think the uh the captions labeled it a behemoth but i'm calling okay. it goro from the black lagoon it's got the forearms okay. like goro from mortal Kombat. it's got the face of the creature of the black lagoon he is goro from the black lagoon yeah uh, and then in the second episode they kind of allow him to stay amongst them and he sees that you know their life, this particular clan, uh, clan or tribe, their life is, we're just living in the desert. We're doing our own thing. We're not, the, we're not the groups that you've seen in the, um, in like episode four, that are actively raiding other people and stuff like that. And they're getting picked on by this train going through. And he's like, hey, listen, let's fight back. Let's do some stuff. And he shows them some things, and they show him some things. And there was just, be- I really dug it. I'm a sucker for ritual and for um, good uh, anthropological building of societies. And that end scene of episode two, where they have him craft his own weapon and then together with the, um, with that tribe's armor. And then they do the motion in this dance together of you're one of us. We are together. That I actually thought was beautifully done. I still don't know why he stayed with them, but okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe, like you said, he's looking for family and he found it on the desert. That's possible. You, you're, your family is what you make of it. It's definitely that. Like, that's pretty transparent that he is looking for this family. But one of the things that they've never really shown us, at least in the live action stuff, is why he's doing this. It's contextualized through other things in the Clone Wars and uh, through some of the comic books, I believe. But even the the early comics, they just they're essentially retconning him to be just this badass dude who will take on any and all comers and will just take them out immediately. So there's there's a context that's missing for people like me, again, who don't necessarily dig into the expanded universe stuff. Uh, I haven't read the comics in years. I have a Marvel Universe, I think is Marvel Unlimited uh, subscription, and I've been meaning to go back and reading what I've missed. But it's such an undertaking, especially since I'm like six years behind. The The context of Boba Fett is not really there. Because again, if you go back to his appearance in Mando, he's like abiding by his word, which doesn't seem very characteristic of the way at least a lot of Star Wars fans would portray him. He's a guy who's cutthroat. He'll do whatever it takes for him to get ahead, but he won't 
him helping Mando to the point where he's like, I gave you my word. I'm going to help you get the kid until that point is done. I'm in your debt. And it just, it's a weird character development that we really don't get the context to like, why is he now this honorable dude instead of just going back to being a bounty hunter? I'm hoping we get a second season because I, I find the world that they're building with him interesting. I'm just not positive that I've been able to connect the sparseness of episodes five and six Boba Fett to this Boba Fett. And I'm hoping that that will get tied in with like a second season that's a little bit more Boba focused once they hopefully jettison some really bad design decisions like the Skittle gang of modders. That's not, um, that's my spouse's term for them is the Skittle game because they all each have a color of the rainbow, <laughs> the little Vespas, and they're super bright, which is really bizarre on Tatooine where everything's dark and and and, and um, sunburned and um, faded and sandy, and then you have like these four super bright colored Vespa speeders, and I finally figured out thinking about it yesterday as we were ta- as I was getting prepared for this episode. I figured out where they came from. They're from Back to the Future 2 from 2015. <laughs> they are Biff's gang. Because you have the guy who has like the iMod, you have their uh, you have their hoverboards, they're all like bright with different colors. Um, Biff has these shoes that like jack him up and make him taller. Um, they have the mechanical mod pieces. It's Biff's gang. And that's why they are so out of place. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. And I mean that's that's something that they're clearly building into the lore of at least the Mandalorian. Uh, because technically bo- the book of Boba Fett is supposed to be a continuation of the story of the Mandalorian, which is something they didn't really tell us until after like episode six of this series, which episodes five and six are essentially Mandal Mandalorian season two point five. They're lead-ins to whatever is building up towards season three, which I'm, I mean, I'm glad I ended up watching this because, I, again, I have no interest in Boba Fett as a character, and I was not planning on watching this series, but my youngest is still doing night feedings, and I help out with that to kind of alleviate some of the stress of my my partner. So I, I woke up the first week of the series starting, and I, I, I usually will watch something to kind of keep me awake instead of, because uh, I, I feed her in the dark. So I just saw Book of Boba Fett episode one out now. Okay, fine. I'll watch it. I have nothing better to do with my time besides feeding the baby. So let's let's see what this is all about. And if it weren't for those three, 4 a.m. feedings, I probably would not have really dedicated any time or attention to this series. But again, I'm glad I did because now I know what's happening going into season three of Mando. If you didn't watch at least episodes five through seven of this series, you're going to be completely lost in Mando. There's a lot of good stuff in in the story, like, but it really is a tale. I think these seven chapters are a tale of are three different tales. You have books one through four, which are okay. Boba got out of the Sarlacc. He was with the he was with the Tuscans. They um, he started helping them out. They got wiped out. He needs to recover his legacy. So there's a there's actually a pretty fun episode where they raid um, Jabba's palace where Bib Fortuna's is uh, is running it. They get back the um, they get back his ship. He uses his ship to immediately um, one of the most badass scenes. He uses his ship to take down a bunch of speeders and the framing of that the the oh it 
they they made that ship intimidating and which is beautiful and and every time there's a flashback he's going into the back to tank because he's healing from all the injuries and all the stuff that happened to him and there's literally a part at the end of episode four where he comes out of the back to tank and says i don't need that anymore which my spouse went no more flashbacks <laughs> and i looked at her and i went what and she went yeah that's literally the story telling you there's gonna be no more flashbacks going forward i'm like oh okay sure enough there's no more flashbacks <laughs> and episode five is the mandalorian season 2.5 as you said and so is five and six and so we have one through four which is the book of boba flashbacks five and six which are mando the mando season three prequel and then seven is finally what's going on right now it, it feels very disjointed, which I think also makes me feel uh, disconnected from what is going on with Boba and um, Fennec, because episodes five and six, Boba doesn't actually, he's seen in one scene, and he doesn't actually have any lines. And so that's where there's just a little bit of disconnect. I think there's great moments and scenes, but there's just, it didn't tell a cohesive story. And also having seven episodes after having mando's two seasons of eight and only five of those episodes being dedicated to boba is really weird writing decision it's a creative decision i don't understand well episode seven doesn't even feel like it's really that dedicated to boba either he's he's more of a, a side story to, compared to what happened previously in episodes five and six with mando and uh, grogu yeah that's a good point because he's there but they do put the heartfelt moments with mando and grogu yeah, there's there's the payoff of the Rancor, which is kind of the only thing Boba does. There's like a couple of moments where Mando and Boba have like a we're Mandalorians, we're brothers in arms kind of moments uh, where they're just kind of having their own little stand against the pikes. But then Boba's like, you hold the fort down, I'll be right back. And then he comes back with the Rancor and then it just it bounces back and forth. And Boba's just never really in the main fight again, even though the Rancor would be a very big help in that moment. You're right. He becomes tertiary to the Mando again. Part of me wonders, so John Favreau is the main writer and creator of these. And he did Mando season one and two, and he wrote all these episodes as well. Um, he and Dave Filoni, of course, wrote an episode together. And I'm not sure they actually gave this a second draft or not. That's part of the reason why I wonder about like why there's a disconnect of seven episodes, but four Bobas, two are Mandos, and one is kind of a joint. But they needed to focus more on why I should care about this character versus I hope season two gives me a reason to care. Among other things. Yeah. You need to care about Boba and you need to care about why he wants to be um, Daimyo of Mos Espa slash Tatooine. Like what, what is his motivation for this besides I'm going to not let bounty hunters get killed or sent into stupid missions. Like what, what is the point of that? Because he's trying to talk to the Wookiee, bounty hunter Chrysanthemum about how we used to take orders from people like Bib Fortuna and look where that got us. We're smarter than them. Let's, let's do our own shit. And that apparently is the motivating factor. Like why does he need to, why does he want to be Daimyo? Why does he want to be a crime boss? Especially when he's, his ethos is I'm going to rule with respect where Jabba ruled with fear. What is the difference in that? Show me why Boba Fett leading with respect is what's going to change something and what is he trying to change? I, so that kind of leads me to Fennec. Fennec, I absolutely love as a character. 
she you know he saves her she saves him back and he's kind of like hey listen you know your your debt's paid and she's like, i'm gonna stick around for a bit and she is the voice of reason throughout this entire uh, the entire season because she's constantly like you do realize they're gonna betray you and he's like well and he's he's always like well i have to give them a chance or something like that which i kind of get that he's that you know like uh, he's dealing with crime families but he's like well if, if i show them i'm a good i'm a gooder you know not gooder but i'm a better person then maybe they will but every time it comes to that point where it's like well they betrayed you well they're sending assassins after you he's always like yeah i kind of expected that which to then she's like yeah duh what i love is that at the end of it when basically the crime families betray him to side with the pikes he goes on his rancor spree he sends her on her like solo mission and she disappears and i'm like and i was thinking she's been gone for a while and then it shows the pikes like oh my gosh we're being attacked and everything's going horribly and then i realized oh oh no fennec's gonna show us why she's an assassin isn't she and one of the darkest scenes i've seen in a star wars movie or show she assassinates everybody from the outside of a building by blasting them and then the mayor who's been be- who's betrayed them like twice now is looped up and so he's hung inside this building they keep his feet on screen while then she then pops into the room kills the pike leader with a sword and walks out and he's still dangling there and i'm like huh well i this I will never see on the big screen. This is new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very reminiscent of uh, the the Mandalorian pilot where he cuts a guy in half with the door. Uh, you don't necessarily see the the thing happening, but it's it's contextualized and implied enough that you're like, holy cow. The show, when it's focused on Boba and Fennec, I get her method, her reasoning, her method, her motivation. She feels she doesn't want to go back to being just the assassin for hire everywhere she wants to set down roots and she thinks this is a good point to set roots and i also think that she feels that she can be a good advisor to boba um and also with the skittle gang she can kind of guide them a little bit as well so i like her and her motivation and that's why i want to definitely see more of her but i need more is basically what it is because in the two episodes we got focused on the Mando, we have his entire motivation laid out. I mean, they did amazingly well with that. You want to explain why all of a sudden episode five is season 2.5? Uh, I mean, I don't even know why it is, but I'm, I was thankful for it. But I, I mean, it was, it was really kind of jarring to me because, again, okay, yeah, Mando, we, we've had him teased because Boba Fett and Fennec Shand are talking and... They're talking about how you can buy muscle. You're going to go to war with the Pikes. You need to buy muscle. Okay, cool. Then you hear the Mandalorian theme play at the end of an episode. Like, okay, so we're, we're getting Mando in this. Cool. And then the entire fifth episode is following up from the end of Mando. He's still working as a bounty hunter to pay for uh, his sect of Death Watch. And he's got the Darksaber. Uh, he's trying to learn how to use it, but he's not using it very well. He slices open his leg a little bit, and uh, it, it is interesting to see him not be proficient with a weapon. Like he knows he can use it, but he doesn't necessarily know how to use it. And because it's a force-sensitive weapon, and he's not attuned with the force, and he's not attuned with that particular style of weapon, 
it's difficult for him to use, which is a great little backstory into Jedi weaponry as well, because we know not everyone can or not everyone should just be able to pick up a lightsaber, even though some stuff in the sequel trilogy kind of contradicts that because you have like in the sequel trilogy, you have Finn just pick up Luke's lightsaber and go or Anakin's lightsaber and go. He's he's able to use it, but not necessarily well, especially if you consider uh, the final fight in The Force Awakens, plus when he goes up against uh, what is it that the fans call the one guy trait TR8R. So like he's not necessarily proficient with it, but they don't do enough to be like, man, this thing's heavy or how do Jedi use this thing? They just kind of let him go and act like he's swinging a sword. Uh, But in this, we actually get a little bit more, but it could also be that maybe it's because it's such an older lightsaber and it's unique to the Mandalorians that that could be part of what's the issue with it. And I know there is a, again, you haven't seen the animated series, but you need to watch at least the, uh, the dark saber saga part of star Wars rebels, because there's a really good training montage with that. And that, that probably will segue into Mando season three as he's learning how to use the light, the, the dark saber. I'll consider it. Episode five, we got the return of the armor, which hands down is my favorite character. There is just something about her presence, her strength, the way she moves and stands. I, I loved her the second she was on screen in the Mandalorian, but this, I even love her more because she's training him how to use the dark saber, not with weapons, with her hammer and her like pliers she's fighting him with those which it calls back to the end of mando season one where she waited because she was still working and making breaking down her um her forge and then she just kneels there the stormtroopers come in and she's just kneeling waiting they poke her in the head with a blaster and she just wails on them and that's the first time we actually see a stormtrooper's helmet explode from a hammer to the face and here she is training him again she doesn't use weapons she doesn't pull out a gun she doesn't have a sword she you know she even says something about like that beskar spear is against our religion because beskar is protection nuts you know like not stabbings there's a moment where um i think piz vasilla paz vasilla Fisla, thank you. Uh, he's like, listen, that dark saber was from my family generations ago. I'm going to take it back to you. They have a brief skirmish. Mando, of course, wins. And she's like, listen, this is the way. He won. You can't take it from him. You tried him in combat. You failed. Mando gets to keep it. And then she pointedly says, you've always been, a, like, she, basically, she leads them on with, you've always been a Mando. No one's ever seen your face, right? To Paz. And Paz goes, true. And then she says it to Mando. And Mando admits his uh his failure that he took off his helmet people saw his face and then she says you're a mando no more and he's like well i let me do penitence and she's like well the only way you can do penitence is you must go to mandalore you must bathe in the sacred waters and he goes but mando's been uh mandalore's been destroyed she goes yeah this is the way the more i think on it she did that on purpose she is the leader of their cult and she knew something was up and she basically is like stop being a goddamn bounty hunter and be a leader you want to become you want to remain a Mandalorian, then go and take gosh damn back Mandalore and bathe in those waters and give your repentance. And I I just love her. <laughs> episode five is by far my favorite episode of the season. And it it's mostly because it is tied into a storyline that I do care about and that I understand. Anyone out there who understands this series and thinks I'm wrong, please leave comments and let me know. Um, I am open to I I am open to wanting to like Boba Fett. I just don't think this series did enough to 
to get me to that point, especially at the end of the series. Um, I'm kind of jumping ahead because it's in the front of my head again. Boba Fett and everyone wins the war. We'll we'll get to Cad Bane in a minute. I think we should finish talking about Cad Bane because I think that is the most interesting villain in the Boba Fett storyline. Uh, but they they win the war with the Pikes and Boba Fett's kind of walking around town, just kind of getting thanks and everything. And um, he's like, you know, I don't know if this life is for me. To me, the implication is the life of being a daimyo. So what the heck was the point of this entire series if he kind of liberates Mos Espa? I like you needed to give me 10 to 15 more minutes of this to uh, let me understand what the heck is going on and what the point of this was. Because if it's liberating Mos Espa from gangsters like the Pikes and Jabba and Bib Fortuna, you need to tell me. Because again, Jabba, or Boba Fett's entire arc in this series was I'm going to be the daimyo. I'm going to lead via respect. And if by being the daimyo means he's also the gang leader, if he's abolishing the gang, what happens now? And what is he doing? You don't necessarily have to tell me what he's going to do next. Maybe he'll take Mando to Mandalore or something, or he'll just kind of be there. I don't know. But what was the point of being on Tatooine then? What was all that about? The resolution was unsatisfying. I'm hoping that if we get a book of Se- uh, Boba season two, that they lean a little bit more into the Godfather uh, trilogy, because that's the first trailer. Um, you're like, what? You you message me like, what the heck is this? He's going to lead out of respect, not fear. And the first trailer to me made me feel like, oh, they're going to Godfather this. They're going to be like, they're going to show him trying to take someone's empire and build it and make a different version of it. There, there, that we would get a little bit more intrigue with family personalities and family fightings and betrayals and stuff like that. And I was like, this, that's cool. I want to see that. Like, show me Godfather parts one and two on Tatooine. Okay, cool. But they didn't set that up properly. I think they felt they had too much baggage that they needed to catch up from. They need to go from Sarlacc pit to why did he change to here? And we, and then we got to fit in this. Um, but I think if we use season one as like play setting season two can do what we, what we both want it to do, which is show me motivation, show me how he rules, show me why he's different. Show me the improvement in the, um, the common man's life of Tatooine and, and Mos Espa. Show me that. And I think we can get that out of season two, assuming we get one. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I I don't feel like there was enough there for people like me who are like my in-laws aren't as invested in Star Wars as I am, which admittedly I'm probably a slightly above average investor in Star Wars. My in-laws are just like, I this is boring to me. If they do a season two, I don't know if they'll even bother looking at it. So I, again, I, I don't know that they did enough for the the layman essentially to come back for a season two if there is one um there just wasn't enough investment in boba fett as a character they they created something they created a pretty good base for him but that's where he needed to start not where he needed to end like i needed more from him talking about his time during the clone wars i know people are getting really tired especially you with dave filoni and his toy box of going back to the clone wars and kind of using that as character development but that is literally where Boba Fett started. So understanding that once his father died, he need he needed family, he needed guidance. Speaking of family and guidance, um, 
episode six was the adventures of Luke and Grogu, <laughs> which ended with goddamn Luke Skywalker making little Grogu decide between family or a lightsaber. The little the dick. <laughs> well, not only that, but he 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 laid out a a pretty harsh truth for Grogu too because. Yeah. He kind of has a, an Omni-Man moment with him where Omni-Man in Invincible is talking to his son, Mark, where he says, a lifetime for these people is a, a moment for me. And Mark asks Omni-Man, his dad, you know, what about mom? Don't you love mom? And he's like, of course I do. But I love her more like I love a pet than I do a person. And that's kind of where Grogu's, not necessarily Grogu's view of the world, but He's going to he's going to be what he's 50 ish now. So he, he'll be he'll be 80 to maybe 100 if Din Jaren lives long enough and that he's still got 700 more years of life to live. What's he going to do with that? So at the end of Mando season two, when the X-Wing shows up and we get Luke I legit cried. And the next morning I rewatched that, that portion like four or five times and just bald. Cause I was seeing the Luke that I'd been expecting to see from the EU, from the video games, this Luke in his prime as the stalwart Jedi master, the last of the Jedi that is trying to build his school. And so he picks up, he picks up baby Yoda. I'm like, Oh, he's taking him back to his school, which this series is set five to seven years after Return of the Jedi, and they're only now building a school. And Baby Yoda is apparently his only. I think they've, I think they've retconned it to where it's three to five years after Return of the Jedi, but it's still, it's. I mean, Luke's kind of. If you if you've played like Battlefront Two, there there's campaign stuff that kind of lets you know that Luke's kind of still learning. He's he's gaining, or he's acquiring tools and learning apparatuses books whatever to better understand how to become a jedi instructor or jedi master whereas um in in this you you could assume that oh this is maybe months after return of the jedi which that is something that uh, i did want to bring up with this series too is that the the timeline is really weird i know they haven't really mentioned anything official in or directly in the shows um, but I, I think when they announced Mando, they said, oh, this is 10 years after Return of the Jedi. And then somewhere along the lines, they retconned it to being three to five years, somewhere in there. But with the way this series starts is Boba Fett busting out of the Sarlacc, which again, there's no real timeline given. Was it hours? Because we still see the smoking wreckage of Luke and uh, R2's escape plan from Jabba's flotilla or whatever. And then he's wandering the desert. He meets up with the Tuscans, an unspecified amount of time happens. And then the, the Tuscans are killed and he goes and finds Fennec. So he was living with the Tuscans for two years, three years, a few months. Like what, what is this timeline that you're giving me? Cause again, that, that timeline is going to be part of his character development too. How long was he living among these people? Yeah. There's just portions that don't quite, which is the funny thing um uh, i'm assuming somewhere lucasfilm actually has where everything is in this new timeline but if you go to like star wars fan wikia and stuff like that which you know before the eu was tossed out and made legacy 
they had like things broken down to the day of when things happened because of how many books and video games and everything happened. It's a little more freeform, I think. So we get Luke um, training Grogu. Um, Osaka shows up um, and basically kind of tells Mando, hey, listen, I know that the armor gave you this chainmail thing for for Grogu, but are you here for him or are you here for you? Like, why are you here? Why do you want to give him this token? And that moment is actually more character development than Boba got, where he was specifically asked a question and had to answer, which I found fascinating. And then, of course, he leaves and we get this nice long sequence with Luke and Grogo and training him and trying to awaken, reawaken the force within him. And we get the Luke that, I again, that I wanted from the EU, where he's calm, he's educating, he's trying to... Uh, nurture the next generation one of my friends did not like this scene but i loved it where he and grogu are walking and luke just kind of casually like uses like waves his hand and uses the force to push uh baby yoda forward like good five ten feet in front of him so he can waddle a little bit luke catches up does it again so they're always next to each other and kind of walking i love that and of course we get the uh, Empire Strikes Back flashback of luke with uh with a yoda on his back doing backflips and doing I love that training montage too. And where they're just having that calm walk in the woods. That was, that was great where he, he knows Grogu's not going to be able to keep pace with him and he doesn't have Yoda's little hover seat that he had in the the Jedi temple. So it's either I got to carry him like a baby or I need to treat him as I would any other student, but obviously he can't keep up. So we're going to just kind of give him a little, give him a little force push to carry him along. It was, it was very nice. It was very serene. It was very, much what I had read so many times and finding out that Luke and uh, Osaka know each other was like, huh? There was no like, Hey, I just met you. It was just like, they just know each other. That was actually nice. I appreciate that. Like, okay. All right. They're here together. They know each other. They've met each other. She knows his plans. Oh yeah. He's building the school. This is going to be great. It was very much show. Don't tell between and with the dialogue giving me enough, which leads back to the dialogue did not give enough with Boba not give enough motivation of what's going on but still i do contend luke is a complete dick for being you either get a chain shirt or you get a lightsaber because your friend's gonna die <laughs> yeah the the whole attachment thing the no attachments for jedi that that part still doesn't quite sit well with me especially with luke knowing what happened and what happened to his dad and uh the jedi temple with those rules and if anyone's read Dark Apprentice, or no, Dark Disciple, again, the, the attachment thing just, it holds no weight for me because it just, it makes no sense because you're, you're, you're detaching yourself from people, but I think Anakin skews it, or maybe even Obi-Wan skews it to uh, just because you're forbidden attachments doesn't mean you're not forbidden from connection, which is like, where's the line drawn with that? At this point, it's been three to ten years depending on whoever given the timeline of return of the jedi and luke is apparently single hasn't bothered to build a school has no students and at this point lost a student already <laughs> luke's over one in training students man give me a give me the give me some more luke stuff give me some more give me some sebastian stan and not some really good cgi but really weird voice work so i'm just looking it up real quick on google it says it's nine years after the battle of yavin which that's a new hope. No. All right. Cad Bane. Let's go to that. <laughs> yes. Cad Bane shows up. Um, 
Cad Bane is a character that is very divisive for me because he is very cool. I will admit that he is very cool. I love his cowboy hat. His weird oxygen mask is interesting, but man, do I hate him. Like his voice, especially in the Clone Wars, his voice is like nails on a chalkboard to me. I don't like the graveliness to his voice. And then in this show, someone needed to fix that prosthetic. I know you said you didn't notice it, but him like gritting through his teeth and just, oh, Boba Fett. I didn't like that he was gritting through those dentures or the 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 actor. It, it took me out of it because he never talked like that in any previous appearance on like the Clone Wars I don't think he's shown up in the Bad Batch. I don't think he showed up in Rebels. And maybe he showed up in Rebels. But again, he was very calm in his in his the way he spoke. And he was always very in control. Where everything he did and said in the book of Boba Fett, he was just, oh, I'm so mad. I'm gonna, I'm talking to you through my teeth because I'm being intimidating. I don't know what you're doing, but you need to open your mouth. So you should be able to sound, you should be able to look like you're saying what you are saying. Talking with your teeth shut does not make you talk like Boba Fett. You are, you are gone soft. No, that's not how you sound. You said Boba Fett, you've gone soft. Talking like this is not talking like this. And it bothered the hell out of me. Okay. So I find this super funny because. All right. So the second the silhouette came on screen, my spouse was like, oh, my God, I know who that is. This is not good. This is not good for everyone. I'm like, that's a strong silhouette. And then I, w- I was like, OK, this dude is this this character is a badass. It is scary. I like the way he talks. The funny- and then and then immediately my spouse is Googling. She's like, oh, yeah, to confirm it is the same voice actor. I'm like, OK, cool. Don't know why that's important, but it's scary. And then, of course, he shot the sheriff and also shot the deputy. <laughs> I love that. I love I love that meme. The whole like. Cad Bane's telling Bob Marley, I shot the sheriff, but you didn't shoot the deputy, right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Great meme. That didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. Um, I, I, When you pointed out the whole, like, the teeth don't really move thing, that finally got to me a little bit because I realized if you look very closely at his mouth, uh, the mouth when it's moving, the right side kind of, like, pulls horizontally a lot. It doesn't actually go down. It's just this weird kind of... It's almost like this Clint Eastwood. You know, Clint Eastwood does the whole eyebrow thing. It's almost like his mouth does the eyebrows, but not as job. <laughs> so the way he was talking through the gritted teeth, the only thing I could think of is the uh, mouth of Sauron from the extended Return of the King. It, like, even he, even he still oh God, spoke yeah. with his mouth moving, even with those giant implants. I don't know if that was CGI or what. But he was still able to move his mouth, whereas this Cad Bane body double, you can't fix that in post. You can't make his mouth CGI. I don't know. But talking through the gritted teeth just bothered me. And it, it really took me out of the moment. But to, to talk about the silhouette and talk about something that was good, once Mando left Freetown after talking with Cobb Vanth, and then we saw the silhouette coming in, I remembered, oh, this is directed by Dave Filoni. Is he wearing the cowboy hat? Because you couldn't see it in the first shot of the silhouette. And then you cut back and everyone's just kind of squinting like, what? who's coming here? And then you get the second shot and there's the cowboy hat. And it's like, ooh. It was really well done. And speaking of the weirdness of timelines, uh, apparently uh, Cad Bane is supposed to be in his mid-70s in this portion of it, which then 
also causes other things where I'm so confused. Like, okay, so if he's in his mid seventies, Bo Katana is supposed to be in the, her like late fifties, early fifties for some of this, and there's this weird the timeline doesn't quite match up. But that's not important. The important part is that we get this showdown, which I had read online that uh, apparently there was supposed to be a final showdown either in the Clone Wars, or there was supposed to be a, the showdown was supposed to happen and um. And like maybe season eight of the Clone Wars or something like that. But Boba and Cad are going to go at each other. So that never happened. So it got pushed back and put into this. And I liked their showdown because he tried to draw Boba originally with the whole, with the revelation that the Pikes are the ones who actually killed the Tuscans, not those speeder bikers that you wiped out with your ship. And they got Boba to calm down not to do it. And then we get the final showdown two of them after each other calling boba old him calling cad old cad preparing for everything and then he just pulls out his blaster does knock out boba and he starts the whole monologue of i'm going to teach you this final lesson you know and then when that happens the whole i'm going to teach you this final lesson boba does take this uh bantha stick is able to briefly deflect the shot gets the upper hand and kills cad bane supposedly i still think cad bane's alive he ends him with the tool of his new family. The thing, you know, the thing we didn't see him use the entire time of this episode, that he's able to kill his past with his future. That was nice. I like that. While the eyes of Cad Bane don't work, the I mean, sorry, the mouth don't work. Doesn't work. The eyes are amazing. Those are some creepy ass yeah, eyes. It was a, a Clone Wars episode that you're thinking of. Um, that it was an unproduced episode. You can see some pre-rendered images of. Boba Fett and Cad Bane standing off. Um, but I'm glad they they did bring that back and then they brought him back for this. It is a pretty satisfying ending. I do like that Boba Fett uh, doesn't necessarily kill him with a blaster, but he kills him with the weapon that he forged with his Tusken Raider family. That was a, a really nice moment. And that was a good ending for them. Overall, I mean, it's just a very uneven series. There, the amazing parts are when they focus on Mando. I, I did like the final episode. Uh, I like the, you know, there was a lot of fan service moments in there. Um, the whole ba- the, the two bounty hunters flying together and with their jetpacks shooting each other. Um, the Rancor montage scene, uh, Baby Yoda re-showing up and reuniting with reuniting with Mando, and then using Force powers to put the sleeping giant to sleep. Well, I mean, so the, the the screaming giant to sleep, and then walking over and curling up with it. <laughs> that was great. Um, there, I saw a meme earlier today actually about how they would watch that team up movie any day of the Rancor and Baby oh, yeah. Yoda, and then yeah, the, you get the King Kong homage with the Rancor running wild over Mos Espa, and uh, yeah. So talking about the Rancor real quick, when that is gifted to Boba Fett from the Huts, I was I was at least half convinced that with Danny Trejo being there, because the rule is, and maybe it was just a cameo, I don't know. Uh, At that time, I didn't know. But the rule of almost anything is, if a big name shows up in something, they're going to be involved somehow if if it's beyond a cameo. Mm -hmm. So Danny Trejo being involved with the, what is it called? The imprinting of the Rancor onto Boba Fett. I was so convinced that, it was already imprinted onto Danny Trejo and he's working for the huts. And so there's going to be some kind of twist where the rancor is going to turn on Boba Fett and he's going to have to be the badass that badasses the badass rancor into death. <laughs> and, and that was, that was, that's what I was thinking was going to happen. 
what we got was pretty cool too, where he's riding the rancor, even though, again, I feel like it takes him out of the fight a little bit. And it makes no sense to me that he's just sitting there riding the rancor. He's not shooting his blaster. He's just sitting there in his pseudo saddle and just kind of letting the rancor do whatever, which the rancor was super cool because it's the first time we've ever actually seen a rancor do what I guess they've intended it to do. Like it was, it's pretty nimble. Obviously it's strong. It can take blaster fire without dying. I think the only time we've ever really seen extended rancor, which it's not even continuity anymore is in the force unleashed. We've got the, the rancor pit scene in return of the Jedi, but that's pretty close quarters. So the only other time, and at least for me, because you get the, the Rancor fight in Knights of the Old Republic, uh, the original Xbox game. Uh, but again, that's closed quarters. You don't really get to see it jumping around buildings and climbing things. I don't remember it being that nimble in The Force Unleashed either. That scene, if I'm remembering, that's, uh, that's still more like a brute strength kind of thing. Like it's just kind of walking around trying to grab you and then you jump on its head and stab it through the head a few times. Yeah, I just thought it was awesome. I mean, it just... When it started, like they kind of uh, did a little Stay Puff Marshmallow Man with uh, showing it, like just like it's kind of like ridges, kind of briefly in the background coming, and then um, handled those droidicas pretty well. It got it. It just made me really happy, especially the ending. There, there is nothing more adorable than seeing the the sleeping Rancor because it's young as well, and then you baby yoda kind of waddles up to it having put it to sleep with the force and then kind of like nuzzles it and then the little burrow against it it was just like oh this is so sweet i hope it doesn't roll over <laughs> <laughs> so that i feel like that's a good place to kind of end it yeah. um it, it is a very up and down series i don't think that it it did enough to make people invested in boba fett um i think that's probably why they they cut him out of like 30 to 35% of the show is they just didn't know what to do with him. They were hoping that what they did put in would make the, the Boba Fett stands happy, but I don't really think it did. I'm sorry if you hear my kids in the background, they're getting a bath. So they're, they're having fun. I just, I don't know. I I'm all in for Mando. If there's a Boba Fett season two, I would really need to see what they do with him in Mando season three first. If I'm going to invest another, four hours of my time into more Boba Fett, which is a character I already do not care too much about. I, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm invested. The, the shows are giving me things that I've been wanting to see, which is of course, you know, someone accused me of being uh, like, like, how dare you didn't, you know, just because seven, eight, nine weren't what you expected and wanted mean blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, it's not that it's, there's a respect that is being given to the characters that I've been invested with all this time. And Boba is, I don't know. I, I I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the flashback stuff in the back to tank with the Tuscans. I enjoy any time you take a culture and you actually build it out and you show that there is ritual and heritage to it and that there is a process to this to this uh, society, which is why I am so invested with the armor because she is the she is the font the font of knowledge for that cult, that section of the cult. And why I hope to see, and that's why I want to see in season two of Boba is I want to see you have now what you supposedly wanted. You are the new daimyo. How are you ruling them? Um, show me your, your personality, how it favors the people, how, um, how people intruding on what you have built up 
will negatively affect them. What is your life? Why would people betray you? You know, and that's what I kind of want to see out of season two. If they go, if we get another version of that, I would find that extraordinarily interesting. Um, I just hope that that is where they go with it because I don't think I could really stomach another disjointed, uh, very thinly through-lined uh, narrative like we got with this one. Um, but yeah, that'll that'll do it for this episode. Uh, Alex, thank you again for being so flexible with my schedule this week or this weekend. Um, again, my kids were sick and I appreciate everything. Uh, I appreciate you being the voice of our news section of the <laughs> the social media of course, of course. um yeah so like i know we've said that you don't have social media but you kind of have social media <laughs> yeah if you uh if you want to say negative or mean things to me uh please direct them at the talking smack pod and uh josh will reply for me <laughs> <laughs> it depends i mean we did get noticed by james gunn because i made a poorly worded uh retort to his <laughs> his uh post um, oh that was funny yeah that was good times uh it's just cool that he noticed our tweet. I mean, he's getting a bunch of them. Um, I mean, I have nothing against James Gunn and I have nothing against the subject. I, I feel like I've clarified myself enough, um, but maybe I'll make that in another episode. I don't know. I don't think it's a subject that we could really pad out for 20 to 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> no, no we, we couldn't. Do, yeah. Should superheroes have sex? Let's discuss. If it fits the plot. Sure. If not, you can imply it and it's just as good. Moving on. <laughs> Star <I> st- Wars over. <laughs> I still like what I said in our, our, our talking smack chat. Um, I was like, listen, the two biggest PG-13 movies of all time are Endgame and Titanic. Titanic's 13 minutes longer because it had sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong. So... Um, this is going to be, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Uh, I'm taking some paid parental leave uh, from work and from the podcast just to kind of focus on the family. And we're going to go on vacation and uh, I will be building a lightsaber and I am very excited. I hope no one in my family gets sick. That is the biggest concern, but uh, it's kind of our, let's get the vacation need out of our system. And we're going to take a big vacation and do some fun stuff. Uh, so as far as I'm aware, Alex and Beppo are planning on doing some filler episodes while I'm gone. Not to say that they won't be official episodes, but I won't be involved in them. So any editing or views and opinions are not mine. Listen, we don't do enough nerd stuff around here. So <laughs> I'm, we're going to try to like do a D&D, a D&D episode <laughs> and maybe we'll recap the Super Bowl. <laughs> If you guys want to talk about the trailers and stuff, uh, I mean, Uncharted's already getting shit on. And oh no, 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 we're gonna talk about the game. We're gonna break down play by play. No, we're not talking sports nerds. I, I mean, I, I, you and I are both sports nerds, but that's not what people come here for. Uh, but speaking of Uncharted, I am. I haven't told you yet, uh, but I have penciled in the video game club, uh, Slade, Joey, and mm-hmm. Tim. Uh, they're all gonna join me whenever Uncharted hits streaming. And we're going to review that episode. Uh, I think at least uh, Joey, maybe Slade, uh, have purchased the the Uncharted trilogy so they can kind of compare and contrast. Nice. I, it's going to be good. It's giving me the excuse to go back and play. I've only ever played the first one all the way through because the second game opens with a stealth mission. And I am awful at stealth missions and I can never get past it. So uh-huh. maybe with this uh, time off and vacation time, I'll actually get around to getting past the first 20 minutes of Uncharted 2. 
Um, that reminds me, uh, I was playing Mirror's Edge, and I couldn't get past this one sec. I was invested in this, like you know, the minimalist story and stuff. But there's this one section where you have to like run and do this backflip and off this other thing and this this stupid thing. And I tried for like three hours and I couldn't get it. And I've never gone back to that game ever. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that that's it for this week. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Alex does not have his own personal social media, but he is on the Talking Sacks. Talking Talking Sack. Ooh, I am tired. Talking Smack. Talking Sack is a very different podcast. Um, talking Smack podcast uh, at Talking, talking Smack sack. Pod. Um, I am at Josh underscore Scar and. Uh, Alex, what do we got for theme music this week? Well, just so you know, the Talking Sack, which is now branded and is our sister <laughs> station, uh, that is where we talk about superheroes and sex. But our outro music in honor of the Super Bowl today is Carrie Underwood redoing our theme song. I love it. That means easy editing for me. All right, everyone. Thank you again <laughs> for listening and take care. Bye.